In this episode of Industrial Industries World Radio, we debut a brand new game called Fun Fact Check, and we also take a look at Bloodhound Gang's album One Fierce Beer Coaster, and it's all starting right now. Hi there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Industrial Industries World Radio, episode 38. I'm your host, DJ Glowing Ice, and boy, oh boy, don't we have a great show for you today. And in this episode, we're going to talk all about Bloodhound Gang's album, One Fierce Beer Coaster. This album is an album that I hold near and dear to my heart, and it's good to look at this album because... It was a major, major breakthrough in the 90s, mid-90s. Uh, you know, if you're a hashtag 90s kid, if you remember the Bloodhound Gang, am I right? Right. <laughs> but I'm I'm a bit of a collector as well. And there's a lot of uh, more high-dollar collector's pieces to One Fierce Beer Coaster. And we're going we're gonna to get into that later on in the show and how the Bloodhound Gang in the first place came to be up until One Fierce Beer Coaster. So we're going to give you a brief history on the Bloodhound Gang as well. The albums, I've got the press kit, and it's actually some pretty funny stuff. So their uh, creativity from the Bloodhound Gang, it shines through in every single thing that they have, from press releases to the mumbo-jumbo legal stuff in their CD booklets and cases. Uh, yeah, so it's great. I love the Bloodhound Gang. Also, we are debuting a brand new segment on the show. It's a game. It's three games in one called Fun Fact Check. I'm going to have my friend Jimmy on, and he's going to be the first contestant of this. And it's going to be a whole lot of fun, and it's going to be up very shortly. But first, before we get into anything else, I want to just ramble a little bit. This has been on my mind. This happened to me today. And uh, I came to a revelation, something that I I must do. It's my due diligence to just uh, be the smartass that I am in real life. And well, on the podcast, you're you're my you're my buddies. Anybody listening here, you're my friend. I'm talking to you as if you're my friend. If you're listening to this podcast, you're enjoying it, then you're probably a lot like me. So we we probably get along in the real world. But I know there are some people out in this world that would not get along with me. And I could tell you one asshole that wouldn't get along with me. All right. So in small town USA, okay, this is where I live. It's my hometown. I drive around and fairly most people are pretty cool. You wave at them, they wave back. I'm not much of a waver because I come from a town where people would rather flip you off than wave at you. But um, in this small town USA, everybody, you know, they're they're waving. You know, I'm, I'm getting used to that. And I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, what's up? Cool, right on. So anybody who waves at me, I'll wave back. All right, we got that established. All right, I'm not a prick. But... There's one guy that lives in the neighborhood here, uh, more close to Jimmy and Dean's house, further down, and anytime I see him, he just stares. And I asked Jimmy, I said, Jimmy, you know that guy right there, you know, across the way? 
what's up with him? Is he cool? Is he? He's like, no, he stares at me too. He just stares. I don't know what's wrong with him. But he gets along with Dean very well, my brother. And it's it's really odd because this neighbor knows who I am because he's seen me at Dean's house plenty of times. In fact, Dean has introduced me to this man and he just uh, he just stares and he just kind of gives off this bad vibe. But apparently he gets along with Dean very well. I don't know what it is. Maybe this old guy has a crush on Dean. I don't know. But I do know that he does have a reputation for other neighbors. Not just uh, myself and Jimmy, but other neighbors also comment that, you know, he uh, stares at people. But anyways, there's been a time where I've been in the mood and he's been out. Now this man, he's an older gentleman probably retired from some job somewhere and all he does is he just tinkers away in the garage and he works in his yard the typical midwestern retired man in small town usa where nothing happens you get the idea right kind of a gruff gruff kind of guy he doesn't He's a real man. He likes to He's a he's a man that enjoys a good cup of coffee. <laughs> I do enjoy a good cup of coffee too, but nevertheless, hey, I can make fun of something and still like it. That's a thing I think a lot of people misconstrue or uh, get get confused about. I make fun of things that I also like, so it's going to happen that I will make fun of something. I can see the humor in things even that I like. I can see the humor in myself, but nevertheless, today, driving by this neighbor... And he's out there, I don't know what he's doing, picking weeds out of his ditch or something. Something something that is unimportant, no one's going to remember him for. Well, I guess people are going to remember him for now because I'm talking about it. He's immortalized as this old grumpy man that picks weeds out of his ditch now, but uh, thanks to this show. But I drive past him, and he's, he gets up. He gets up from what he's doing, picking weeds, and he just stares at me. And I'm taking my youngest brother to work. I'm just driving real slow, and he just stares. He's just staring at me. And then I look at him, and I say, okay, if you're staring at me, I'm going to wave at you. And, you know, the first time I waved at him, like, ever, and I was like, hey, he still just stared at me. He didn't wave back. So I'm aware that he doesn't want me waving at him. He doesn't give a damn about me at all. He could care less that I'm giving a nice, friendly, neighborly gesture to this. So I just keep waving. He just keeps staring. And I keep waving even faster while I'm driving. I'm going, hi, hi, hi. And he just keeps staring. Then I just drive past. And that's to teach him a lesson. That may make me look like I'm crazy or something. But that's to teach this asshole a lesson. It's to teach him, yeah, I'm aware that you, you hate it when I wave at you because all you do is stare at me and give me a dirty look. But I'm going to keep waving. Hi. Hi. How are you? I hope you're having a great day, you piece of shit. <laughs> I hope you have a great day. Hi, you piece of shit. You old piece of shit. <laughs> Thank you. You loser. What are you going to do? Fucking piece of shit. Hi. <laughs> and now he's probably just looking at me like, that crazy fucking kid yeah yeah hey hey, your brother's kind of weird he's sitting there and he's he's waving at me all weird with this 
crazy grin on his face and oh yeah that's weird i'm out there i'm out there taking care of my lawn and then there's this guy driving by he waves at me but i don't wave back i don't you know because i'm an asshole i'm a real man i don't i don't you know i, I like you because uh, i kind of have a crush on you because you seem like a manly man like oh yeah <laughs> the bottom line is if you wave at somebody and they don't wave back you could just take that and feel butthurt about it. Or you could keep on waving, knowing that they don't like waving at you, just to rub it in their face. Especially if you have this creepy guy that stares at you. I don't know what's wrong with him. Maybe there's something, I don't know. There is something wrong with him. He's a gruff, boring, loser-ass old man. And every once in a blue moon... Likes to take his baby, his joy, his 1960s fully restored Camaro out for a spin with his rusted old lady reliving those moments driving around in a 1960s muscle car. Oh, you want to go to the Dairy Dip, baby? Let's drive. Oh, yeah. All these young kids don't know about real hard work. My dad... My dad got me... Uh, Anyways. Old man likes to stare. I wave at him. He doesn't wave back. So I wave even harder. That is the moral of the story. Was that even a story? I don't know. But uh, that's just... That's how my day went. Hope your day was just as action-packed as mine. So, we got a great show. Bloodhound Gang One Fierce Beer Coaster is going to be happening later on in the show. This is episode 38 of Industrial Industries World Radio. Now, let's get into past, present, future. Past, present, future. Today is August 18th, and it's National Fajita Day. I love me some steak fajitas myself, Cadillac style. You know what I'm saying. If you get my drift, get you get a little sour cream, get a little cheese, and some tomatoes. Anyways, in the past on this day, in 2018, I released my second album, Sunshine Fun Time, by Glowing Ice. Presently, I'm realizing that I need to put out my third album already and just get it out. As the forecast calls for mostly sunny skies with a high of 78 in the small town region and in the future it's predicted that the planet mars will be permanently inhabited by humans by the year 2059 august 18th is the 231st day of the year and there are 135 days left of the year 2020 Celebrity birthdays for today, we have actor Edward Norton, who is 51, member of The Lonely Island, Andy Samberg, is 42, and daughter of late Nirvana singer Kurt Cobain, Francis Bean Cobain, is 28. And if it's your birthday, I want you to enjoy your birthday the best way you can, and I wish you a very, very happy birthday. This past, present, future is brought to you by the Council of Hardworking Midwestern Fathers of Small Town USA. Wanting to remind all the men out there that they should check the pressure in their tires once a week and a real man keeps a pocket knife on him at all times. And also, 
Fall is right around the corner, so make sure you keep plenty of button-down flannel shirts ready for the cold Midwestern months ahead. That is the Council of Hardworking Midwestern Fathers of Small Town, USA. This hot summer weather sure can take the steam out of even the hardest of working folks. So when it's break time, beat the heat for some cool sweet treats from the Dairy Dip. Come hot and hungry and leave cool and happy with our made-to-order double cheeser burgers, natural cut fries, chicken strip baskets, concretes with all the fixings, or our famous vanilla cones. We've been the one-stop shop for the small town region for five generations now. It's family fun for everyone. From your high school sweetheart, to your wife of 50 years, to taking your little old football champ out for his first vanilla cone. You can always bet that the Dairy Dip will be here to beat the heat with some sweet treats. Located on Main Street in Small Town, USA, we'll see y'all soon. It's the Dairy Dip, the place for good times and good friends. It's Industrial Industries World Radio's debut album, Songs and Skits of Seasons 1 and 2. All the songs you heard in the episodes are all here, like the uplifting It's Gonna Be Okay. Check out the hot and hip Rap Song 2020. Wiener Balls. Rap Song 2020. Rap Song 2020. And don't forget the classic hit, Fart in Your Face. I want to fart on a guitar. I want to fart on a power bill. I want to fart on fresh fruit. I want to fart in your face. All of the best songs and skits from the first two seasons of IIWR are right here. Industrial Industries World Radio's Songs and Skits of Seasons 1 and 2. Check it out on Spotify, iTunes, and anywhere else you can stream and download music. Hey cutie, if you want to make this lady happy, why don't you subscribe to Industrial Industries World Radio right now? I promise it'll make you even happier. Industrial Industries World Radio. So, hey, what's going on, guys? We are now into fun fact check, and I have my friend Jimmy. And, yeah, before we started rolling here, I I did a little redecorating of the IIWR studio, and I got a a bookshelf full of a lot of collectible stuff that I have over the years. And Jimmy noticed something that uh, caught his eye. Something new. (laughs) Okay. So on the top shelf, I'm looking at a a life-size, full-scale, The Child. And for those of you who probably have no idea what I'm talking about, Baby Yoda, chicken nuggies. (laughs) Yeah, Baby Yoda. Jimmy, are you ready to get into fun fact check? Let's do it. I got to look at my notes here on my phone. This fun fact check is sponsored by the Dairy Dip. Beat the heat for some cool sweet treats at the Dairy Dip with concretes, super thick milkshakes, and vanilla cones to make any time a good time. 
It's Dairy Dip, the place for good times and good friends. So we are sponsored by the Dairy Dip. And what do you got to say? You're looking at me. I'm just, I want to inquire about this Dairy Dip. Sure. Do they sell burgers and stuff? Or oh, they s- have burgers. They have oh, chicken okay. strip okay, baskets. Okay, okay. They have pretzel bites. Homemade chips. Yeah, homemade okay, chips. Okay, okay. Oh, you could drink orange juice. So it's one of those places. Okay. Yeah. So how Fun Fact Checked is played, there are three games that will be played all together, three, three things. And the goal is to score at least 10 points from all these three games combined. So okay. if you get points from one game, they carry over to another. So anyways... You just have to make 10 points within total. these, yeah, total from all these games. Got it. Okay? And uh, so, yeah, the today's prize is the $5 gift certificate to the Dairy Dip. And the first game, let's let's take a look at the games. The first game is Spot the Fake. And you have a chance to rack up two points each in this game where there are three rounds. So you have a total of winning six points in Spot the Fake. Goddamn. And... So there are three rounds of fun facts, and they're going to be read to you, and you will need to figure out which fun fact is the fake one. Okay. Okay. Got it. The second game is 10 multiple choice questions of all kinds of fun facts, and each correct answer will count as one point. Got it. And the third game is the ranking game, which is not as strategic. It's just kind of like a mixed bag. But uh, you're going to, like, before the show, I ranked these five things. They're either places, subjects, or things. And you'll have to give your own ranking of the same five places, subject, or things. And every ranking number where yours and mine match Mm -hmm. exactly, you'll get a point. Mm. And if you happen to have the same exact ranking as I did before the show you'll get 10 points. Oh, God. So in, if, in case you t- completely eat shit the first two games, you have a chance to redeem yourself Okay. by guessing the rank. So, all right. All right. Let's jump in it. Let's get into round one of Fun Fact Check. Spot the fake. Round one. Here's a, There's three fun facts here. So a species of frog called the wood frog can hold its pee for up to eight months. Fun fact number two. Scientists have found that bald men fart less than men with a head of hair. And fun fact three. The M's in M&M's stand for Mars and Murray. Murray. <laughs> so which one of those do you think? I'm going to go with option two. B. Scientists have found that bald men fart less than men with head hair. Yeah. Yep, you are correct. That is the fake fun fact, and you won yourself two points. Congrats. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now we are at two. All right. Okay. Round number two. The three fun facts are, number one, the fastest recorded time of the Arabian Stallion is approximately 60 miles per hour. Fun fact number two, vending machines kill four times as many people than sharks do per year. And fun fact number three, originally the people at Facebook wanted to name the like button the awesome button instead. Yeah, I'm going to go with option A. The fastest recorded time of the Arabian Stallion? Uh Uh-huh. 
is 60. You are correct. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, I just watched The Social Network the other day. Oh, yeah. Well, well it's a good, good movie. For, good for you. Yeah, good movie. Yeah, but uh, actually, the uh, fastest the Arabian Stallion was recorded uh, moving was actually 40 miles per hour. Ah. So that is still pretty damn fast. Yeah, it is. Okay, round three of the fun facts here. Given the right environment, a snail can live up to 60 years. Fun fact number two, there's a swirl of garbage the size of the state of Texas in the Pacific Ocean. And fun fact number three, everyone on Earth has a 1 in 200 chance of being related to Genghis Khan. Let's go with option you won again yeah yeah all right so jimmy you are up to six points already yeah, man huh? he's on a roll he's 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 good at spotting those fakes <laughs> fuck you all right let me get a drink here i thought you were about to go in willy wonka on me you won <laughs> you get nothing okay so now we're in set two of the games here and fun fact check okay Multiple choice. This is my 10 questions. One point of pop. Yep. One point of pop. Okay. Mm. Question number one. The Lociraptors were slightly bigger than A, a New York City rat, B, a horse, C, a golden retriever, or D, a chicken? C. A golden retriever? Uh Uh-huh. Sorry, no. The answer is D, a chicken. Velociraptors were slightly bigger than a chicken. Okay, that's fine. You got six points on the board. Let's move on. Question number two. The musician Prince played how many different instruments on his debut album? A, zero. B, 27. C, two. Or D, 109. B? Yes, yes, yes. Musician Prince played 27 different instruments on his debut album. Okay, question number three. Wait, 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 wait. What did I say? 27. That was B? Yeah, that was B. Oh, okay. Well, that was an accidental point. Oh, what did you mean? I say? thought it was two. Two? <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, shit. Hey, hey, loopholes. Yeah, huh? very yeah. well. Hey, you guessed right. There's no disqualification for guessing. All okay. right. Question number three. Pixar had a different name for its animated film, Toy Story. Mm. Toy Story's original working title was A, Woody's Big Adventure, B, To Infinity and Beyond, C, You Are a Toy, or D, Andy's Lost His Toys. B. To Infinity and Beyond? Yeah. Sorry, it's C, You Are a Toy. Was the original working Thank title? Thank God for they Toy changed Story. that. Yeah, you are a toy. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> All right, you got seven on the board. Moving on. Question okay. number four: The average male orgasm lasts six seconds. The average female orgasm lasts how many seconds? A fifty, B nine, C one, or D twenty. I don't remember having a six-second orgasm. It's usually just like a done, but let's go with D. Correct. Yes. All right. 
You have eight points on the board. Moving on to question number five. Poop is made of what percentage of water? A, 75%, B, 50%, C, 0%, or D, 13%. I'm going to go with A, 75%. You are correct. All right. One point away from... Yeah. That gift certificate to Dairy Dip. But Wait. Oh, okay. No, I added okay, that up okay. and I'm moving that down. Okay, one so point ahead. Don't look at my math. Oh, there's, sorry, a, sorry. there's a method to the madness here. Okay, question number six. Which one of these was not a Pepsi flavor? Okay. A, Pepsi Fire. B, Pepsi Blue. C, Pepsi Ice. Or D, Pepsi Mocha. That would be C, Pepsi Ice. Pepsi Ice. No, I'm sorry. The correct answer was Pepsi Mocha. Pepsi never Didn't made a Didn't they make a, a coffee? Pepsi. Or? They made a coffee, but it was never... It was a different thing than a Pepsi flavor. Oh, It no. was made by Pepsi Co., but it's a different... Oh, that's where you got me. Okay. <laughs> okay, moving on. Question number seven. God damn it. In the Super Mario Brothers video game series... Mario is Luigi's A, lover, B, dad, C, cousin, or D, twin brother? D? Yes, you are correct. <laughs> and now hey, you throwing, have one. Throwing me a bone there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought some of these you wouldn't be able to guess more than others, but yeah, you've been you were on a streak. So are we continuing the game? Yeah, or? this, oh, this yeah. is just the bonus round now. Where if you get fifteen more now, about every point's an extra dollar to my gift certificate. Yeah, we could do that too. I was thinking if you get fifteen, you get a Reese's peanut butter cup out of the prize <laughs> fridge. Oh my god! <laughs> you get a little sticker. <laughs> no, let's do that. We'll add another. Gift certificate, another $5 oh. gift certificate. Let's try to see if you get 10 more points here. In Australia, the fast food restaurant Burger King is called A, Hungry Jacks, B, Burger Mate, C, King Burger, or D, Johnny Burger. I thought one of the options was going to be Burger King. <laughs> yeah, Burger King in Australia is Burger King. Yeah. Um, it does have a different name. Let's go with Australia. let's go with Burger Mate. Burger Mate. <laughs> no, it's actually Hungry Jacks. Oh shit! I probably could have guessed that if I remembered that was an option. But that's all right. I, that's, I messed up. That's, that's what. Right. Yeah. So Australia Burger King is called Hungry Jacks. Okay. The more you know. Yeah. Question number nine: Which one of these is not a Limp Biscuit mm. album title? A. The Unquestionable Truth. B. The chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water. C, three times down. Or D, results may vary. Probably A, maybe? The Unquestionable Truth, Volume 1. Yeah. Sorry, no. That was an actual album. Was that like some kind of underground, like before they were hot? No, it came out after results may vary in 2005. Oh, fuck. But yeah, it was an EP. But yeah, um, the only one that wasn't a Limp Bizkit album is Three Times Down. Well, the hot dog, hot dog flavored water is their best album, but yeah. Okay, number 10. The Disney animated movie The Lion King. I, I did this just for you. It's your favorite movie, mm. one of them. 
The Lion King was originally going to be called what? A. Simba's Pride. B. King of the Jungle. C. Cubs to Lions. Or D. The Great Lion Kingdom. See, it's one of my favorite movies, but I don't know all the Mark shit about it. Well, you don't. But I'm gonna go with D. The Great Lion King, Lion Kingdom. The Great Lion. No, it wasn't. What was it gonna be called? The original working title for Lion King was King of the Jungle. B. Yeah. So, all right, you're still at ten, and that is it of the multiple choice. Now we are in set. Three of the games here for Fun Fact Check, and this is the rank down. And each rank that we match is worth one? Yes. So I gave my ranking before the show, so it's all predetermined. I have it written here, and so if you say, if your number four ranking is my number four, that's a point. point. And if you get all five matching mine exactly, how, you know. Ten points. Ten points. Okay. Bang, bang. All right, so I'm just going to do this in alphabetical order of what they are. So these are, the topic today is sub-sandwich franchise restaurants. Okay. Okay, so the five that we are ranking today, Firehouse Subs, Jimmy John's, McAllister's Deli, Quiznos, and Subway. Okay. So... Well, if you, you could grab a pen here. Yeah, and let me just, jot that down. So we've Same got again, Firehouse. In no particular order. Yeah, Firehouse Subs, Jimmy John's, McAllister's, yeah, uh, Quiznos, and Subway. Number five, McAllister's. That's the worst. Now, am I giving you my personal opinion or am I trying yeah, to you're guess just, yours? No, you just do your personal. Oh, we'll so see it's how just, it matches. Okay. Yeah. So, and some of these I've never tried. I don't think I've tried a McAllister sub. So, that's why it's number five. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think Jimmy John's and Firehouse are kind of on the same level. They just don't really do it for me. Okay. It's just not the same. So, I'm probably going to have to go... Four for Jimmy John's, three for Firehouse, because at least they give you a selection of a shitload of sauces you can put on there. Then uh, Quiznos will be number two. They were all right, but nothing really stands up to Subway, in my personal opinion, because you could do whatever the fuck you want there. There it is. Okay. Okay, so Jimmy has, from worst to best, we have McAllister's, then Jimmy John's, then Firehouse. Quiznos in second place and Subway in first place. Okay, so from worst to best on mine is McAllister's Deli is at the bottom. So you got a point there, Jimmy. So let's put that up. And then I've got Jimmy John's as number four. Oh, So sure. you got another point. Oh, so you got 12 there. Uh, let's see here. And then I got Subway as number three. Okay, okay. Boom. Yeah, so. Okay. And then... Quiznos is my number two, and hey. Firehouse Subs. Quiznos is the point, bro. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm writing that down. And then Quiznos uh, or Firehouse Subs is my number one. Really? I never knew you really... I've eaten there a few times, but the thing that really sells me is that they have... I don't know what it is, but they got this provolone that just melts on hmm. there when they toast it, and it's okay. just a lot better than okay. Subway. So I gained three points. All right. Jimmy has a whopping... 13 points, and he has won himself, ladies and gentlemen, a $5 gift certificate to the Dairy Dish. You're the winner! 
Congratulations. <laughs> what are you going to spend your $5 on at the dairy dip? Probably a small fry. <laughs> you may have to pay a little after or that. Or perhaps a mini concrete. I don't know. How much are those? About four seventy-five. Yeah, plus so tax? after tax, you'll probably have to, yeah, five fifty. <sighs> Damn. So just bring 50 cents with you along with this gift certificate. I'll mail in to you and uh, you'll be good to go. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. This has been the first edition of Fun Fact Check. And I would say it's a success. We've got winners all around. And, uh, yeah. So thank you, Jimmy, for being a contestant here on Fun Fact Check. How do you feel? Giannato! Bring that pee back! (laughs) Any last words? Do you need to plug anything? You got shit you need to plug? I do want to let everyone know that John Candy has deleted Facebook, and it's been a week. Not that anyone's missing out on anything, because he's doesn't post anything on there anyway so he's trying to be one of those yeah life's so much better without facebook <laughs> but you know what the funny part about this is the funny part about this is what does facebook also own instagram instagram and whatsapp what does john candy spend all, all day on yeah, yeah oh i'm sorry instagram <laughs> Huh. <laughs> so you delete Facebook for a peace of mind and to get away from it all, but you're on Instagram all day. Doesn't that defeat the purpose? Well, if you're gonna get rid yeah. of social media, get rid of. So, so I think he had. It's fucked up. It's either all or none. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. I can't tell you how many fucking people I've heard that you you said the fucking line. Oh, man, yeah, life has just been the best ever since I deleted my... You'll see them come crawling back. They'll They'll be back. Yeah, they'll be back, and then they won't be posting nothing, but maybe just like, Hey, I got a dirt bike. Yeah. (laughs) Who gives a shit? (laughs) In the very near future of the attention-seeking horror we know as John Candy, Facebook will be back in his life, and we will be blessed with photos so don't do me (laughs) don't do me i'm out all right just to clue everybody in john candy is my brother when he gets drunk so he turns into john candy there we go that's the inside joke in this shit all right thank you guys for listening to fun fact check we will see you later You are listening to Industrial Industries World Radio, and this is a brief history of the musical group, The Bloodhound Gang. Since we're spotlighting the second major release of The Bloodhound Gang, I figured we'd go down memory lane and see how The Bloodhound Gang all began. The Bloodhound Gang, if you don't know who they are, they are an American rock band, and they're known for having offensive and vulgar and very uh, humorous lyrics in their music, and they became quite popular with the Bad Touch song. Most people would know it as the Discovery Channel song, but the Bloodhound Gang goes back 12 years before that success and that hit, All the way back to 1988. And in 1988, Jimmy Franks and Michael Bowe, they started out as a Depeche Mode style 
band, basically, covering the Pesh Mode songs, and they called themselves Bang Chamber 8 with a few other members. And naturally, Bang Chamber 8 got into making original music, and in 1990, they put out a demo tape containing four songs, and the music of Bang Chamber 8, the best way to describe it is just a lot of just electronic music, but uh, it was nothing like how the Bloodhound Gang was. Bang Chamber 8 had more serious tones to it, but it did have some silly songs such as The Birthday Boy, but the most serious song on there is called War Chimes that uh, talked about the war happening at the time, Desert Storm, and all that. By 1991, Bang Chamber 8 fell apart, and Jimmy and Mike then formed the Bloodhound Gang in 1992. And the Bloodhound Gang at this time, they were uh, using MIDI equipment, which MIDI is just a, a thing that you use to make music and create music on computers. So they learned how to do that and sample things and make beats with these samples and all of that kind of stuff. So at this point, the Bloodhound Gang, they were just rapping to sampled beats they created in a computer. 1993, Jimmy Franks then went by the name Jimmy Pop Ali and Michael Bowe started going by the name Daddy Long Legs, and then they had a string of a bunch of secondary members, and it was around this time that the group released their first demo tape called Just Another Demo. This was a huge difference between the Bang Chamber 8 stuff, and this tape, Just Another Demo, was passed out mostly at parties just to gain notoriety and, uh, you know, just get their name out there, basically. By April 1994, they then put out a second demo tape following just another demo with sampled rap beats and very humorous and uh, fun lyrics. And the big thing about this second demo tape was the cover was really controversial, so it caught the eyes of a lot of people. But most importantly, it got the attention of one of the brothers who, at the time, formed the record label Cheese Factory Records, which was an independent label, but not so much later they renamed Cheese Factory Records to Republic Records. They wound up signing the Bloodhound Gang. So now, November 1994, Bloodhound Gang being signed to a independent label, they put out their first official release titled Dingleberry Haze. It had 11 tracks, and six of them were songs, and five of them were skits. And right off the bat, Dingleberry Hayes got uh, a lot of success for it being just on an independent label. And major labels started looking at Bloodhound Gang, and there was a bit of a bidding war to sign them. Now, a little fun fact. While this was all going on, Jimmy Pop and the Bloodhound Gang... He did go to college, and he got himself a degree in radio, television, and film production. And he was trying to become an intern on the Howard Stern Show. And he got turned down four times. And he finally got his way to become an intern on the fifth time. But at this point, he only lasted about a day. And he realized that he was getting signed to a major label now, and he had to... Just leave the Stern show and pursue the Bloodhound Gang um, as, a, as a career, basically. So 1995, Bloodhound Gang signs to Columbia Records, and they release their first full-length official album called Use Your Fingers. And Use Your Fingers contained mostly everything from Dingleberry Hayes, 
but the songs were just cleaned up a bit more, some retakes were done, that kind of stuff. There were only two things that were excluded on Use Your Fingers that were included in Dingleberry Haze, which were just two skit tracks more than anything. So it wasn't that big of a difference. So this first major release by the Bloodhound Gang was full of uh, funny jokes, skits, all that kind of stuff. Had the rap, the sampled beats. Most of it was just sampled beats, excluding one song that had, uh, like, it was just a full-fledged rock song. But it was 12 songs, 8 skits on it, and Use Your Fingers went on to sell almost 250,000 copies. But as luck or not so much good luck would have it, Columbia dropped Bloodhound Gang because I guess they expected to sell a whole lot more than 250,000 copies. So with the Bloodhound Gang being dropped from a major label, Daddy Longlegs, Michael Bowe, and another member of the Bloodhound Gang left and they formed a rap group called Wolfpack. So now with the Bloodhound Gang having two members... Jimmy Pop Ali and Lupus Thunder, they went on to find some bandmates to bring in this new version of the Bloodhound Gang. This whole different rock, alternative rock styled version of the band. So who they found was bassist Evil Jared Hasselhoff and a drummer named Spanky G. And they completed the lineup with a DJ, a turntablist, because... We've got to have a turntable list in a rock band in the 90s, obviously. And they found it in DJ Q-Ball. So now, late 1995, early 1996, the Bloodhound Gang went from a rap group. They now became a full-fledged rock band with five members. And they went in to record their second album, One Fierce Beer Coaster. Alright, so where did One Fierce Beer Coaster start, exactly? Well, Bloodhound Gang hit the studio mid-February of 1996 to record the album, and they recorded it in Dome Sound Studios in Royersford, Pennsylvania. And this studio was the first in the area around that time to use computers and digitally record everything, and they had a knack for editing live instruments more than any other studio in the area could. You know, naturally, since the Bloodhound Gang are Pennsylvania boys, that's where they wanted to record it, in their home state of Pennsylvania. It took roughly two months to record the whole album, and Jimmy Pot produced the whole thing himself, and he also mixed it, uh, most of it, on his own Macintosh computer. A lot of the sounds of One Fierce Beer Coaster, it ranged from just heavy hard rock songs, and then some songs were just acoustic songs, but, you know, he also dropped a lot of the F-bombs during these soft acoustic songs. You know, you sit there and think, an acoustic guitar, people are going to sing Kumbaya, all that. But no, here's Jimmy Pop, you know, dropping F-bombs and saying just crazy toilet humor, crazy toilet humor all over the tracks. So there was that, and then there was tracks 
that were just like kind of harkened back to the old Bloodhound Gang style where it was just a bunch of sampled tracks and uh, just rap beats or it'd be just like full-on like disco beats full-on electronic disco beats just four on the floor type stuff and that's what the album was all together it was just a bunch of different things all put into one and it was in a neat little package the nice little bow on top or a beer coaster on top and the lyric content so it wasn't just like oh poop ha ha he he it was like wow you could actually you know be smart writing lyrics about poop or crystal pepsi for instance crystal pepsi actually has a uh, reference in one of the songs as well so now we got the album it's done it's mixed it's produced it's first released September 1996 as an indie album on Republic Records. And this original release from Republic Records was really different than the album that you could go to the store or order off Amazon now. So the Bloodhound Gang mailed out copies of the album to all the different radio stations across the country, hoping to get radio play and some promotion that way. So how One Fierce Beer Coaster kind of got the ball rolling, started becoming a thing in the limelight, was that an intern at a Seattle radio station, 1077 The End, it was an alternative rock station, he came across the album and he showed it to the music director, and the music director loved it so much that they played the single Firewater Burn on the Friday night show. And right off the bat... People were calling up the radio station wondering, hey, who is that? What was that song you just played? And it, it was like a massive sensation just out of nowhere. And it wound up traveling to K-Rock. If you don't know what K-Rock is, K-Rock is like the radio station, the rock radio station that, you know, if you get your stuff played there, you're, you're, you're on your way, basically. So... K-Rock started playing uh, Firewater Burn, and then it just spread from there. So if K-Rock is playing Firewater Burn, the rest of the country is going to catch on and start playing it as well. And it did. And the album started getting the attention of the more major labels and bigger labels. So there was like a, almost like a big war trying to sign the Bloodhound Gang again. It was, it was just like how... Uh, use your fingers was so it's almost just like a, a same exact thing you know so they had all kinds of labels uh wanting to sign them and one was actually maverick records and it was a record label that madonna co-founded and yeah the manager of the bloodhound gang said there was no way i was gonna put madonna on the phone with jimmy pop just uh just because he knew how jimmy pop was <laughs> But anyways, they wound up signing with Geffen instead. And Geffen, they looked at One Fierce Beer Coaster and they said, okay, we're not going to include that song or the hidden track. So that song and the hidden track was Yellow Fever, which was originally track four on One Fierce Beer Coaster. They, uh, no, they didn't want that. The content of the lyrics was a little too racy for them. And then also the hidden track just had a lot of different sound clips that I'm not going to say that they, you know, couldn't clear, but it just had a lot of different clips and they just didn't want it on the album. So 
the Republic version compared to the Geffen version differs quite a bit because the Geffen version doesn't have uh, two of the tracks like the Republic version does. So the Republic version of One Fierce Beer Coaster was only out for a couple months until Geffen signed them. And Jimmy Pop just, he didn't like the fact that the two tracks were dropped. He actually wound up putting out a 7-inch vinyl little record that had the two cut songs from it called One Censored Beer Coaster. And it's it kind of became a collector's item. So it includes the two tracks and the story behind it. If you ever get yourself a copy of One Censored Beer Coaster, um, yeah, you get a little extra content, a little story and background behind it all. And so as Geffen was gearing up to re-release One Fierce Beer Coaster, you know, they mastered the tracks, made everything streamlined so it, you know, be perfect and match everything else with the mainstream artists out there and albums and all that. They put out a press kit. And if you don't know what a press kit is, it's it, it includes a photo of the band and also just a little write-up about who the band is, what they're putting out, what their latest effort is, all that. And they send these press kits out to anybody in the industry, practically, letting people know who the Bloodhound Gang is. And I happened to get a press kit for when Geffen signed Bloodhound Gang, so why not read it to you and you get a better idea of what uh, they were at at this time. So let's read the press kit. So there's a cover letter from Geffen Records dated December 9th, 1996, and it says, Hello, don't say that I didn't warn you. Enclosed is a copy of One Fierce Beer Coaster from the Bloodhound Gang. Perhaps you've heard the single Fire Water Burn on radio. It's getting top requests almost anywhere it's getting played. Or you might have heard Jimmy Pop Ali, the band's singer, on Howard Stern Friday morning. He holds the distinction of being rejected for an internship with the show on four separate occasions. That's an internship. I.e., he couldn't get a job that paid no money. Maybe you saw the video featuring Jimmy's send-up of MTV's Matt Pinfield on 120 Minutes Sunday night. The record just came out December 3rd on Geffen after a limited independent release. We signed the band about three weeks ago and rushed to get the album out since the single was getting picked up by a bunch of radio stations. Prepare to be somewhat offended or pissed off by something related to this record. How sure am I of this? Well, keep in mind that this is essentially a form letter, and I'm still fairly certain that this applies to you. Maybe the song titles will offend you. Maybe the lyrics will. The band statement on this can be found on the top of the lyrics of the CD booklet. Maybe the headache you'll get from trying to read the fine print style lyrics along the music will piss you off. Maybe these rambling letters of mine are finally getting to you. So now you've been warned. And all I could say is that if you want to talk to the band after listening to this record, you won't be disappointed. Or as Jimmy Pop says, we won't apologize for anything. Now taking a look at the press kit itself, they have a history section and it reads, 15 seconds into one fierce beer coaster, it becomes clear Bloodhound Gang is for real this time. Real guitars are being played. A real drummer is bashing cymbals. A new sound, a whole different slant from these suburban boys from Philadelphia, awaits. 
But those easily offended or with weak stomachs would be wise to beware. The sound may be new, but the band still boasts the same old Jimmy Pop Ali, vocalist, songwriter, sampler, engineer, producer, title hog. Jimmy fronts one of the seediest, most sordid collection of 80s TV fanatics and ass munches on the planet. Lupus, the one-armed, no-legged axeman, actually, he's got all his limbs, but you'd never know it by his playing. Bassman Evil Jared and drummer Spanky G, supplying rhythm by slapping their various appendages against strings and skins in pure unsynchronicity, and DJ Q-Ball, who has a cool name, two turntables, and no clue how to use either properly. It takes Jimmy's complete inability to organize sound and his hopeless attempts at lyrics to make Bloodhound Gang the funniest fucked up thing on the market. Drawing thoroughly on his vast repository of too much TV knowledge, Jimmy leads the gang on their 12-song beer coaster like a guy who really misses the lame-ass 80s. He waxes poetic with the help of such diverse cultural references as Boss Hog, Pavlov's Dog, 2000 Flushes, Al Pacino's Nose, Seafood Shanty, Kleenex, Striper, The Chick from M.A.S.H., Judas Priest, Backwards Tracking, Han Solo and Chewie, Barry White and Frank Black, and Antichrist Emmanuel Lewis. And that's just the first three songs. His bandmates supply music that is diverse, to say the least. Sampling and live instruments combine to create elevator music on one track, punk rock on another, quasi-children's tunage here, absolute fat hip-hop there, and so on. We started playing as a joke, says Jimmy. We were a Depeche Mode cover band. The guys from God Lives Underwater. They're real artsy and kind of know what they're doing. They taught us how to use MIDI equipment. Basically, they showed us how to use the samplers, and we showed them how to light their own farts. That was the trade. That was in 93. The band produced a couple of demos, which eventually led to the 1994 EP Dingleberry Hayes and 1995's Use Your Fingers. After the release of Use Your Fingers, the original Bloodhound Gang disbanded, leaving Jimmy and Lupus, who'd manned the wheels of steel on fingers, alone to meet our tour obligations. So in the fall of 1995, Jimmy called on Evil Jared, a friend from Temple University, to play bass. After the tour, Jimmy and Jared continued to play together, Jared eventually bringing in Spanky G, his colleague, to play drums with the resurgent Bloodhound Gang. Lupus agreed to play guitar for the band's new incarnation. DJ Cuball joined the crew after being recommended by his cousin, who happened to take the gang's passport photos prior to a festival gig in Paris. Use Your Fingers was a rap album. Almost all samples, according to Jimmy. He says One Fierce Beer Coaster is the band's first album to feature live instruments. The gang worked with engineer, digital editor, and mixer Rich Gavalis on the album from mid-February to mid-April 1996 at Royersford, Pennsylvania's Dome Sound Studios. I had Cuball, Spanky, and Jared lay down their parts, says Jimmy. Then Lupus and I worked on the record for two months. When I was recording lyrics, Lupus was making our dinner. When he was recording his guitar tracks, I was looking at nudie pictures on the internet. Actually, poop pictures. 
One Fierce Beer Coaster was released on Republic Records in September 1996. It came to the attention of Geffen Records A&R rep Callie DeWitt, Suspects Jimmy, because of its super ugly cover art. And Geffen had signed the band, working out an agreement with Republic to re-release One Fierce Beer Coaster, minus the hidden track in the Not For Everyone Love song, Yellow Fever, which Jimmy says will appear as a 7-inch. The Geffen disc bowed December 3rd, 1996. Now Bloodhound Gang is gearing up for some radio station Christmas festivals. Jimmy says of the band's live act, We throw darts at Jared's back on stage. Then he'll drink two big slushies and throw them up and drink them again. Then we'll play another song, and he throws them up and drinks them again. The band, who've played with Garbage, the Presidents of the United States of America, Ash, Naughty by Nature, Skilo, Shaggy, Montel Jordan, and Monica, to name a few, expect to tour widely come 1997 and, if Jimmy has his way, release another album. But even more important than the Bloodhound Gang's mission to bring the entertainment is their sworn oath to offend all. Jimmy, who names Howard Stern as a key influence, explains, We try to hurt everyone's feelings. It makes us feel better about ourselves. Alright, so that was the press kit, besides a few little papers here and there, virtually. Let's take a look at the album now itself. And I've got the original Republic version in my hands right now. So we'll start from track one and work our way down. Kiss Me Where It Smells Funny, track number one. It's a big rock song, starts out with some drums at the beginning, some heavy drums, and just a good power rock song, and it's about going down on a woman. Uh, track number two is Lift Your Head Up High and Blow Your Brains Out. It's a big disco sampled dance number. Track number three is the lead single of the album, Fire, Water, Burn. Starts out with an acoustic guitar, then it goes into some guitar riffs, some heavy guitar riffs, and Jimmy Pop just raps about who he is as a person. Track number four, we have Yellow Fever, which was taken out of the Geffen release. Track number five is I Wish I Was Queer So I Could Get Chicks. And it's a very big power rock song. Track number six, Why Is Everybody Always Picking On Me? This is another sampled song, and Jimmy Pop just uh, goes back and talks about how he was as a kid. He took his mom to the prom. Track number seven is a cover of a Run DMC song, only in hard, heavy rock form, called It's Tricky. Track number eight is Asleep at the Wheel, and track number nine is Shut Up. This is one of the highlights, at least for me. I love the song Shut Up. It's a great song. Track number 10 is Your Only Friends Are Make Believe. And it's another acoustic track. And in this song, Jimmy Pop talks about how the only friend that you have is you. So it gets kind of deep in this song. A lot of people also like to think of this song as the Mr. Rogers song because he talks about Mr. McFeely coming in and giving him a letter. Track number 11 features Rob Van Winkle, a.k.a. Vanilla Ice, on some guest vocals, and this song is called Boom. And Jimmy Pop raps really fast in this track, so that's a big highlight, along with Vanilla Ice being in the song. Track number 12 is Going Nowhere Slow, and it basically is Jimmy Pop listing a bunch of cities that uh, the Bloodhound Gang has played at. 
And then the album ends with Reflections of Remo. And it's just a skit with jungle noise in the background and Jimmy Pop is doing an impression of Homer Simpson. So you got kind of have the idea of what Reflections of Remo is. It's Homer spelled backwards, so if you hold the CD up in the reflection of the mirror, it will spell out Homer in the right way. But Remo is better. You get it. You get the idea. And so after that, you have track 14 all the way to track 68. Just nothing but silence. Uh, The silent tracks, some are five seconds, some are six seconds long. And then track number 69 comes the hidden track. And it features uh, just a collage of all different kinds of things. We've got clips from the Howard Stern show. We got clips from old TV shows, little lines and things in there. Then we got some uh, some kind of reverend speaking some stuff. And then we also got a drunk woman who left a voicemail on Jimmy's friend's phone talking about how much she loves Jimmy Pop. So uh, it's definitely something to listen to if you're, if you're really wanting the full Bloodhound Gang One Fierce Beer Coaster experience. And uh, yeah, that, that closes out the tracks on the album. And let's take a look at now the album art. Okay, so looking at the Republic version and the Geffen version, the album art on the very top, it's got a wood grain background with a beer coaster that says... Bloodhound Gang, One Fierce Beer Coaster, and it's got a photo on the beer coaster of a... It's a cartoon drawing of this very weird-looking man holding himself. The Geffen version has a parental advisory explicit lyrics uh, sticker printed onto it, as opposed to the Republic one not having one. And the Republic version has the parental advisory explicit lyrics... Uh, stamp or sticker on the back of it instead and also the Republic version has a printed in Canada little uh, oval on the back. Both of the discs have different designs so the CDs on the tops, the tops of the CDs, they have different graphics on them. The original Republic release has a corkboard style coaster design on the front with a blue background and it says in parentheses place beer here as opposed to the Geffen version, it has uh, it's just almost all blue with some brown text, and it says "Place beer here," and it also says the Bloodhound Gang on the front of it. So those are mostly the main differences of the album art and everything. But there is one huge difference, and it is that the Republic versions of One Fierce Beer Coaster actually came with a beer coaster, a legit beer coaster. It was the same design as the album cover art of the beer coaster, but it came included inside the packaging. All right, we are diving really, really deep into one fierce beer coaster, but no one has. I don't think no one has dived this deep into it. So we're going to dive into one more thing about one fierce beer coaster, and uh, we're going to wrap things up. We're going to take a look at the differences between the Republic version and the Geffen version of the music itself, of the songs. What was tweaked? What was, you know, changed in any of these songs, if any? You know, I had a lot of time on my hands. I sat down and I listened and I compared both versions. And there are some differences. So 
We're gonna go over the differences now. So in the first version, the Republic version of One Fierce Beer Coaster, Kiss Me Where It Smells Funny has a skit at the beginning. Some kind of voice and it says, And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's the event you've all been waiting for. And then we got Fire, Water, Burn, track three, and this version, the first version, the mix was kind of weird because it starts out with guitar panned in the right ear and Jimmy's vocals in the left. And then there's one other slight difference in Fire, Water, Burn where there's a drum fill that's present going into the last chorus. And then, of course, track number four, Yellow Fever, was cut out completely from the Geffen re-release. In track number six, Why Is Everybody Always Picking On Me? In the last chorus, there's a part where Lupus answers Jimmy's question, and the variation is, Took your mom to the prom and still got lucky. And the Geffen version, Lupus says, Took your mom to the prom and got lucky. Track number seven, It's Tricky. The opening hi-hat count is doled down a bit. In track number nine, Shut Up, there is a sampled drum fill going into the chorus that's present that was cut out in the Geffen version. Track number 11, Going Nowhere Slow, it has two extra record scratches that are heard after the guitars come in in the intro. And there's also some weird fade-in effect that happens at the beginning of the song too. Then we got track number 13, Reflections of Remo, and the jungle sound effects in the Republic version fade in as compared to the Geffen version, which is just starts right away as soon as the track starts. So, okay, we went hard on One Fierce Beer Coaster. What happened, though? What happened after One Fierce Beer Coaster was re-released by Geffen? Well, it was released December 3rd, 1996, and One Fierce Beer Coaster got mixed to somewhat good reviews from the critics, Rolling Stone gave it a 3 out of 5 stars, and by January 18th, 1997, the album hit 132 on the Billboard Top 200, and then at its peak, a month later, it hit at 57, and then it dropped off weeks later, and it spent a total of 26 weeks on the Billboard 200. One Fierce Beer Coaster did become a success, though, and it was certified gold, selling over 500,000 copies in October 16, 1998. And since then, it's become a uh, cult classic, and uh, just a classic in general, because to this day, Fire, Water, Burn is still being played. But anyways, that's it. We are now shutting the book on Bloodhound Gang's One Fierce Beer Coaster. Okay, guys, I don't know if you're ready for this, but here's my experience of when I first came across the Bloodhound Gang, and it was when I came across One Fierce Beer Coaster, so just, this is gonna be a blast from the past, this is gonna be strictly 90s, you got lava lamps everywhere, black light posters, all that kind of stuff, you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying, okay, so I want to say this was late 1996, it was right when Bloodhound Gang was still out with their Republic release. And I would, went over to my neighbor's house, 
and he would listen to Corn, you know, all that stuff when it was popping off back in the day. He had all the albums. He would be playing it, and at the time, I only had a Super Nintendo. It's like, oh, you only had a Super Nintendo in the mid-90s. Boo-hoo-hoo. But, no, in, like, this was when, like, consoles were, like, coming out, like, almost every other year, it seemed like. So, uh, my next-door neighbor had a Sega Saturn. He get, they he got for Christmas of, from 1995, and I'm, I'm sitting there playing, and he comes in with this CD, and he's like, oh, I gotta I got get this, I gotta... I, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what is it? And he was like, I borrowed it from a friend, and it's got all these great, funny songs on it. And he starts playing it on the CD player, and he puts in a blank tape into his boombox while the CD's playing, and he hit record so he could record the CD onto his tape. That was kind of like the form of... Uh, you know, burning CDs, even though burning CDs is out of date now. That was your form of downloading stuff back in the day illegally. You're uh, duplicating stuff off of a CD onto a tape. Since it was around this time, it was the Republic release. So me as a kid, at the time I was 10 years old, sitting there playing Sega Saturn and Bloodhound Gang, One Fierce Beer Coasters playing, and I'm just like, what is this? I'm like, this is cool. I'm not asking what is this as in disgust, but I was just like, this is really cool. I never knew you could make music like that. I never, like, I always thought, oh man, I grew up ACDC, Metallica, Ozzy Osbourne. You know, the classics every growing uh, person should know and love and listen to. But Bloodhound Gang just blew open the doors in my mind, sitting there thinking, Music can be like this, too? You could rap and sing about pooping and peeing, and the the options are endless. So me, as a 10-year-old, hearing this, it made such a big, huge influence on me as a kid. Now, I know some people look at Bloodhound Gang and think of it as a joke or a novelty or whatever, but... You got to know the difference between like just some joke band and it's just like, oh, easy, just throw away jokes. Bloodhound Gang actually, there, there was a lot more thought to the lyrics. Like it sounded like a real band. Like a lot of joke bands, like the music isn't that good. It's very cheesy. But the Bloodhound Gang sounded like a real legit band. Everything sounded good. And then you got this guy on there. Just, uh, you know, playing a real kind of acoustic guitar and saying, you know, burn, motherfucker, burn. Like, it just throws you for a loop. Then it goes into this heavy part of the song. Then you're just like, whoa, this is cool. So, like I'm saying, pure mid-90s stuff. Like, that, it was groundbreaking at the time. At least for me. So, I never saw the Bloodhound Gang as, like, a throwaway, cheapo novelty band. Like, I, I saw them as, like, a real, legit rock band that I I really gravitated towards because a lot of the other music that I listened to, it always had to have a serious tone. And here's the Bloodhound Gang just singing about anything, making fun of themselves and whatever. And I, I don't know. Maybe it's just how my personality is, but I really gravitated towards the Bloodhound Gang and... Ever since then, ever since I heard One Fierce Beer Coaster, I was always a fan. Throughout the years after that, you know, then they came out with The Bad Touch with the album Hooray for Boobies. 
And then I went back to a used CD store and found Use Your Fingers, their first album, and listened to that. That kind of put me through a loop, too, because I wasn't used to the Bloodhound Gang sounding like a strictly rap group. But it was still cool in its own different way. So I appreciate the Bloodhound Gang in any aspect, any way they are, any version they are. So that's just my experience with One Fierce Beer Coaster. You know, strictly 90s, at a friend's house, next door neighbor's house, playing his Sega Saturn. Me personally, I feel One Fierce Beer Coaster is probably one of the top 10 albums of all time in, in my book. Is it perfect? No, it's it's not. There are some filler tracks in there that I really I really don't care for. Asleep at the Wheel. I'm not a big fan of that song. Also, It's Tricky, the cover of It's Tricky. I I tend to skip that track as well. But for the most part, the rest of the album is solid. Even the skit at the end, Reflections of Remo, is uh, good for a skit. It serves its purpose. So there you go, guys. That's my experience with One Fierce Beer Coaster. And now I'm going to probably look on eBay and see if I could get myself a Sega Saturn now. As this episode of Industrial Industries World Radio does come to a close, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, the new game that I had with Jimmy. Special thanks to Jimmy for coming on, being a contestant. He won himself a $5 gift certificate. Oh, yeah. And then also, uh, this was a very in-depth, studious look at the Bloodhound Gang's album, One Fierce Beer Coaster. I hope you uh, walked away with uh, a bit more knowledge about the album. If you're a big fan of it, now now you know something a lot more. The in-depth, behind-the-scenes look. It was very interesting for me to go back and look at all these things. And I don't think anybody ever compared the two versions, the two different releases. So, this was something I always wanted to do, just me personally. It was fun. So, yeah, that's what the show's all about. Having fun. I just want to bring up, if you're a fan of the show, you want to rate five stars on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you're using, go ahead, rate the show five stars, leave a nice little review. I really do appreciate it, and it makes the show show up on higher things when people search whatever. And then also, if you want to buy some merch and support the show in some way, shape, or form that way, you can do that by going to teespring.com slash stores slash industrial industries and we have shirts from bands up there that we run and podcast stuff we have mugs shirts face masks if you feel like it go on ahead it is teespring.com slash stores slash industrial industries and with that being said that is it for this episode i want to thank kimmy pops for voiceover work giuliano for graphic design and i also want to thank you for listening this was episode 38 of industrial industries world radio i am your host dj glowing ice wanting to wish you a great rest of your week and i will see you next week for another fun-filled episode of industrial industries world radio until then have a great day guys and i'll see you next week all right peace out
you next time on Industrial Industries World Radio.